My name is Woody Landeros. And I'm Joseph Landeros. You're listening to The Landeros Brothers, where we talk about communication through art. I like how it sounds all structured. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to say, like, just roll the intro. All right. Okay, let's do it. Today's topic is sampling versus stealing. So what we really mean by this is like, well, we were, we were kind of talking back and forth, and I think what we got it down to was inspiration versus replication. We've been talking a lot about how people have the power to uh, create their own art out of an already ex- existing piece of art, right? So I'm just going to kind of go off of Google because it, it always helps structure out this whole entire podcast. So sampling is the taking of a sample or samples, obviously. But in music, it's the technique of digitally encoding music or sound and reusing it as part of a composition or recording. So you have a little bit more experience with this and you've sampled music and you've, you've created some beats. So what is your take on this? Right. Um, Many people don't actually know this, but I do partake in producing. I've been producing for probably over a year now, probably closer to two years, which is crazy to think. But um, before we address this, uh, the cat's out of the bag. We've announced this podcast. We already have, uh, what is that, seven episodes? Yep. Already recorded. Um, Shout out to everyone showing support automatically. Uh, We've been taking some time off a little bit. I was cutting weight to fight for my 15th fight. Uh, won that by second round knockout. Thanks for all the support. But back to what we're talking about, sampling. Now, my analogy that I kind of came up with was like a chef can make a soup of ingredients pulled from a multitude of recipes, while Costco, on the other hand, can sell their sealed, canned, and distributed version of the replicated product. Now, is it the same? Well, in my point of view, I think that the authenticity of the first option is what we really need in the world. So say producers like um, Jay Dilla or um, Dr. Dre, a lot of different people who pull inspiration from um, different areas coming together to make these different beats. I think it's a lot different than people replicating um, different things. I think it, it goes more on the side of inspiration, but it has a lot of controversy behind it. Yeah, because samples, well, samples, samples can compromise uh, rhythm, melody, speech, or other sounds. So it could literally just be like a snare or it could be like, a little piece of anything, you know, like even sampling out of a speech. Right. Yeah. Like, we and I don't think that a lot of people know that because what I thought sampling was, was grabbing like a chunk of music and then maybe making like a lo-fi beat or maybe like, like echoing it in the background. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about Kanye West beforehand and he's used samples in a multitude of his tracks. Um, and, but I think that like say for the 1960s track, called Amen Brother by the Winstons. Um, it's considered to be the most sampled song in history, having over 2,000 songs sample it. Wow. And it's kind of crazy because it's like, why why wouldn't we get kind of bored of that? And why would it need to be sampled 2,000 times? So it kind of poses up the question of how many times can you make a person enjoy the same piece while kind of altering it a little bit. But, oh, back to what I was talking about with um, Kanye West. One of his biggest str- songs uh, titled Stronger on uh, one of his earlier albums was actually sampling Daft Punk. And I know that, 
you know, the bone, you know, just faster, stronger. You know what yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can't really think of the words right now, but anyways. It it's was called stronger. Yeah, stronger. And what that did for hip-hop, and we can go all day talking about Kanye, as we did beforehand. You guys should check that podcast out. Um, that really altered hip-hop altogether because it brought in this um, hint of electronic uh, influence into the world of hip-hop, and that sort of sort of guiding the path for new ways of using samples in hip-hop as well. Yeah, well, it, it, it was actually like the the thing that kind of leveled out hip-hop with like pop or, or rock, right? Right. Wasn't it? Um, I think it was Aerosmith with, um, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I know their names. Run, run DMC, yeah. Run DMC and Aerosmith, yeah. how they did that together. Yeah. How it was like, well, they can sample it, but they did like a track together, and they were able, they were able to perform together. And it was like the the like the the switch. I feel like when hip hop was was like an underground thing and like a um, an unappreciated thing right. to now like a public sort of thing that was like on the radio, and like hands down to Aerosmith for actually. Like doing that, right? That yeah. was like a big thing for hip hop. Yeah. yeah. So we talk a lot about these the switch or the development of um, sampling in the past, but sort of what's interesting to me is how much it's influenced the now or the present time. So, like, say on a personal level, I know I've bought sample packs, I've um, bought different drum kits, which are technically samples um, in their own selves. I, we were even talking about this uh, virtual instrument, or known as VSTs, that I actually happen to have on my Logic program that uses different vocal chops that are technically sampled from different forms of audio, but that altogether is just an instrument in itself that you can um, edit and be able to use. So on a, what I'm getting to is like on an NPR podcast with uh, Dean Garfield, Kembrew McLeod, and Hank Shockley, they are speaking about sampling and what they said, and I quote, it's just, it's almost part of the DNA of not just youth culture, but just popular culture more generally. And I, that's the end of the quote. But I think that's pretty accurate to say that in general, um, the usage of different samples is really pretty much paving the way or has paved the way for modern music. Yeah, and it's not just, it's not just hip hop too. There's like even rock and roll pulls from a lot of it the uh even even going down to grabbing like the word for word lyrics has been done like in rock and roll with like uh what is a led zeppelin yeah and like just multiple artists have done it and then i think it's even more um it's more acceptable now because you'll, you'll even see artists like uh like uh, major laser or diplo reposting the you know the remixes or the tracks where they have their samples into it so it's like, it's definitely, a, I feel like it, it's, it's a lot more accepted today and like before people found out then it was like, you, you're stealing, you're copying other people's stuff. But like, well, like on one side, well, future producers said old ideas into new packaging. That's what sampling is. Mm. And then um, Genius put it like this. In the outset of hip hop culture, there were very many, I mean, there were very few rules. So pretty much anything was permitted. But there was only one unbreakable com commandment, which was thou shall not bite. So like just in the streets, it was like, you can't take my tracks, or you can't take my, my lyrics, you can't take my sound, you can't take anything because this is what makes me um, 
I guess, spe- yeah, this was makes me special, even even as a DJ or even as an MC. Um, like they didn't they didn't want that to happen, right? And so like I think um, the same. Uh, dang it, man! I I really needed to write down some of these things, but what is that? Uh, oh, whatever. Talking about the DJ? No, there was there was a rapper that took like word for word lyrics from an underground rapper, and he ended up being like super famous. And I feel like there's a few of those. Ended up making millions. But that happens, so like that's like the no. Yeah. That's like don't do that. Yeah, but so I gets, mean that's more so with like the that's more so dealing with biting, which is copyright uh copying another rap artist lyrics in a plagiaristic form. But like sampling is is different, but how how does it make it different if you're technically like just grabbing it right from the song? Right, yeah. Like and I feel like a lot of people take too much um not too much offense, but definitely more of a direction towards judging hip hop on this. But for all the people out there, maybe um, enthusiasts of indie pop or indie folk, whatever you want to call it, um, over 10 of Mac DeMarco's songs have been guilty of using samples. And samples, as we said before, could talk. we're talking about different words, um, different say, cadences. I feel like that would even you know bridge the gap between um, what we define as sampling. But I love Mac DeMarco. Yeah. Super cool music. If you guys aren't into Mac DeMarco yet, um, I think it definitely grows on you. But anyways, back to what we're talking. Extremely airy. I love it. Yeah. No, I really do. Like, like, just all of Mac DeMarco's sounds are, like, really just airy and calming, like, just in a whole. So speaking about airy and calming, <laughs> we have lo-fi music. So lo-fi music, as defined by Wikipedia, not saying it's the most credible source in the world, but it's a definition, is an aesthetic of recorded music in which the sound quality is lower than the visual contemporary standards and imperfections of the recording and production are audible. Now, some would say that Mac DeMarco's music sort of falls under lo-fi music in the category of imperfect and stuff like that. But we're getting more... um, if we're getting more specific, we have lo-fi hip-hop, which is a genre based mostly on piano and jazz samples that has increased greatly in context to the interests of the youth with the new streaming of live channels on YouTube. So what's your favorite lo-fi hip-hop artist? Definitely a person that I always go back to. Man, you kind of cut me off on that one. But <laughs> anyways, I was just going to get to the fact that there's so many beats out there that are... Um, on channels, you know, doing like live streams forever. Anyways, back to what you're asking. Um, there's this guy by the name of Ginseng. I showed him. That's to really you. the only one I know. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I know. And then I just put like um, lo-fi beats on Spotify or whatever. Well, I think he has just like a really big, you know, playlist yeah. or selection, you know, of just different albums. And they're so short too. Out. They're like one minute. There's also this artic- artist by the name of Clockwork, I believe, or I believe that's the name of the album that I would listen to a lot of times. But the world of lo-fi and the way that they use samples can just be pretty wide because say like in the past, I thought that like with myself when I was producing um, lo-fi beats on my EP that I put out, you guys should check it out, called The Melting Pot. I thought everything had to be really gritty. I thought everything had, you know, the rain samples, the lo-fi, like the usage of vinyl crackles, stuff like that, pretty traditional usages. But what I've noticed is that it's even kind of guided itself more to better quality uh, sounds and 
um, less of that genre, but it's just the way that they use the samples really all together. Yeah. What about Mac DeMarco? What's your favorite song of Mac DeMarco's? I think my favorite um, song of Mac DeMarco's would have to be um, either This Old Dog or Viceroy. Now, the reason behind that is because Viceroy altogether has like that, that melody you just can't forget. And it's just something, every time you listen to it, for at least for myself, it's just something so refreshing. And for this old dog, just the, the whole album itself was definitely like a full trail of just, you know, finding oneself. I think that it definitely leveled out the playing field for Mac because in the beginning, I felt that he was kind of trying to find himself and he was speaking about his um, girlfriend and about how the conflicts that they've had over time with him not being able to be with her because of the distance that they've been with each other and with the struggles with addiction with cigarettes and how he's had different um, bad connections with his family, different things like that. And it all just kind of clears itself up or at least makes itself a little bit more known in this his last album. But also Freaking Out the Neighborhood is definitely really cool. Like when we went out there to, uh, what was it, L.A. or Pomona? Pomona. Yeah, it was Dude, Pomona. We went to a show. I've never, like I've been to a bunch of punk shows and stuff like that. And I've never been in that type of environment where it was kind of like moshing, but it wasn't moshing. It was just like jumping. And that was just definitely, was definitely a, good vibes. a super cool vibe just to be in. And just, I, I'm even grinning right now just thinking about it. Yeah. I like, uh, what's that song, Blue? Blue Boy. Blue Boy, and then I'm also a basic fan, and I like... Um, My Kind of Woman. My Kind of Woman. Yeah. You already know, because I, I, I replay cause... it over and over again. So see, the thing about Woody is that he probably has, like, top three songs of artists, and he just plays them back to back. Like, for some reason, he just doesn't get bother- bothered by listening to them all the time. I love it. I can, I can hear the same, the same song for the entire day, and I won't get tired of it, because I feel like every time I listen to it, I'll feel a different way or hear a different thing. And then I'll be able to play it the next day over and over and over again. I don't know. I, maybe it's just my like routine-like mindset. Yeah. I just maybe. like that. Structure. Yeah. Yeah, well, going back to sampling, Frank Ocean sampled, I believe it was Stevie Wonder on his last album, Blonde. And that was in the song Close to You. And I actually, this kind of relates back to what we're talking about, but I never knew that it was the sample um, used from Stevie Wonder. He in the video, I believe it's like 1970 or something like that. I forgot what it was. I'm mm. I'm really bad with the date right now, just because I'm getting it off the top. But anyways, he was using like this talk box, which basically basically like auto tune of that time, mm-hmm. and you could hear it in the song "Close to You" by Frank Ocean, which just released, I believe, in 2016. If I'm correct, you guys can correct me on that one. But I think it's interesting how like that album, I can listen to it all the time. And even though that it's a sample, it's just how refreshing Frank Ocean was able to make it by sort of converting it into his own style, using different types of drum breaks, different types of um, instruments to just make this overall airy experience. So I know that like these people are probably already purchasing the copyright, mm-hmm. um, like um, I guess, like they're like they're purchasing the samples from these individuals. So they're actually like paying the record companies or paying whoever they have to pay. Um, but now it kind of comes into what is like legal and like what is like not legal. Right. And where where that sort of crosses. Cause like you're not allowed to use another, like other, other artists get angry when you use their songs 
if they're not getting paid. Yeah. Because you could actually take from that time period and resell it and then cash out. It's the same thing like memes, which is kind of on another, <laughs> another side. There's actually like a bunch of Instagrammers that steal other people's memes or steal other people's like, um, like funny videos. Yeah. And then they recreate them and then they end up becoming millionaires off of recreating other people's creations. So like that is like yeah. a lot of people are angry at it. And a lot of people right. are angry also at like people that sample and they want, they want their money and they want their checks and they're wondering like, why in the hell did you package it like that? And then mm -hmm. now you're making the money, but I have like the foundation of it. Yeah, it's definitely controversial. Um, well, it's a law. It's a law, yeah. But <laughs> it's kind of like, how do you defend sound? Um, sound found in, you know, just audio in general can be interpreted in so many different ways. Like that's the reason why we all have different experiences with their different opinions on music altogether. So yeah, it's kind of hard to draw the line, but I know like in the past, a lot of artists have actually cleared up samples and it ends up working out in some cases, but in- And sometimes they end up paying millions. Yeah, in some minor little instances, sound. like say with um, Drake's Hotline Bling, which released and with the video with him getting directed by director X. Anyways, um, it was sampling this guy's song from, I forgot what decade, but it was pretty much like the same beat, same kind of like, just pretty much repurposed. Yeah. But he ended up getting his paycheck. They're all good. They're homies pretty much. He actually was really thankful for being sampled, but there's been a bunch of Well, you know he's paying. Yeah. You know he Drake's paid gonna for pay. it. So like, it's just, it, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about like the Drake's or the, you know, the Kanye today, but like more so, you know, trying to get in there and trying to like just saying, okay, I'm gonna grab like the neg the negative side of the sampling, which is like grabbing a sound and just saying, I'm gonna put that on my album and now it's recognizable. And then now I'm gonna rap over it because they've already spent hours and hours in the studio creating a beat. So I'm gonna steal it and not pay anyone and yeah. become famous over it. But I do think that there is definitely a common theme in hip hop where it's always best or always of tradition, pretty much uh, to just um, to pay homage. So I don't think that, I know it has happened, like say it's 2018 and people are sampling things from 2013, but most of the time these are old like soul samples or these are old um, like rock samples from say 60s or 70s i know like funk and um different forms of like rock and drum but the, breaks but the paycheck stuff. still goes to someone yeah. like michael jackson still receiving money right <laughs> like that that company is still receiving money and then divvying it out to either his family or to whoever he left it out to yeah. so like it's still stealing yeah. you know what i mean like legally speaking it is like theft. Everyone steals. It Just is illegal. Just steal. <laughs> it's illegal. But like, I mean, I, I know what you're trying to say and I'm just trying to be like the other side of it. Yeah. Which, which I, I feel like, well, it is stealing. It's funny because- I feel, I could... feel like it is stealing because like if I made an art piece and somebody were to buy my printouts and even though it was exposed to the world, I wouldn't want them to cut out my printouts or reprint like 50,000 of them and then sell it. Right. You know, because then that's like, that's the same definition, stealing. So like, 
You know what I mean? But like talking about the foundation of hip hop, like, you know, sampling is a foundation of hip hop music, like with producers sampling funk and soul records, you know, with the drum breaks, how they used to do, you know, the DJ used to like switch back and forth so that it was always like a drum break. And then that was like, yeah. But like, I guess just trying to see it on the other end of like, okay, so somebody spent that time to make the drum break. Is it like, is it the right thing to take that? And I don't know. Yeah, so say with myself, being a producer and all, I make music out of pure enjoyment. I'm not necessarily expecting a paycheck out of anything. I've made so many beats, like <laughs> pretty much like thousands of beats that I haven't really gotten anywhere. I've only made a few tracks with individuals out there. And essentially what I want to put out there is that unless you're going to go for making profit and you can pay these people to clear up the samples, then you ought to just make your own melodies and make your own things or just not expect any profit. Like you can produce tons of things, put it on SoundCloud, get a big buzz, but just know that whenever it happens to come and there is a legal battle, you might have to just go the, the no profit route. So I'll, I'll shed a little bit of light because I, I, I know I probably sound like... Like say YouTube videos. I sound, I sound like, like the jerk in this situation. Like there's so many videos that are for, what is it called again? No, um, you know. My entire channel has not made a dollar. <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, no, copyright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's no copyright and they use all these like cool songs and then next thing you know, you're like, dang, I'm gonna go back to that video. So it has a bunch of video uh, views. And then later on as time passes, you can see that they start using like, their own beats and their own music, but then they already have their that, own fan base. That, so could I be, think, that could be an entire other podcast because like YouTube copyright thing doesn't make sense to me because one person could be like showing the song again and then yeah, like that's, you know, obviously you're stealing and you're trying to get the views. Or another person can use the same song and then create something and like dance and express themselves to that song. And then all of a sudden now the person who created the song is getting the money, yeah. not the dancer. Right. So like that doesn't make sense to me. And that doesn't, so like for me, then maybe that's like, like that's like stealing, but it's not, it's not for me. Like I'm creating on top of it. So I don't know. Maybe that's where, where my line kind of draws. Yeah, but it may be a whole other topic for a podcast. Yeah. Maybe we can schedule something like that or talk about copyright. Cause I've seen so many channels now, okay, so YouTube restrictions, I'm sorry, but... Sometimes it's, it's a bit much. It's getting a little overhand, out of hand, um, just even with, like, foul language. I'm a pretty big believer in the First Amendment altogether, freedom of speech. I don't use speech to harm anyone, but all I'll say is that if it does happen to harm anyone, say, offensively, you have to do... In my eyes, I think that it's only right to defend that because it is what we're all granted in order to all be equal we have to you know dabble in it you know what i mean it, we all have to, we all have to share equal rights at the end of the day so yeah. it may it may offend one person it may not offend another and for you to just pretty much delete people's documentaries just because it was one offensive line i think that's kind of stepping the boundaries so yeah to conclude yeah this. we can we can do that we can, we can definitely do another um, podcast on that. 
But there's no conclusion yet. We still got seven minutes. Oh, really? All right. Let's keep running. (laughs) But like going back to um, hip hop and the foundation of it and how I was talking about the drum breaks. So sampling hadn't really become popular until uh, a DJ called DJ Cool Herc uh, built upon this technique by inventing what he called was the merry-go-round. And he he was just pretty much going back and forth from... um, from one drum drum break to another drum break to another drum break so that they can constantly have that sort of like hip hop vibe and they can do like b-boy sessions and they can um, rap over it and they can kind of just have like it's, it's a hip hop vibe so that was like the birth right right and before of, that there wasn't anything no it was just not there it was like more blues and soul and all that other stuff yeah where there but wasn't like, something something was formed yeah and and it's i know i'm talking a lot about like the the legal part of it and all that stuff, but to shed a bit more light on hip hop and on sampling, they asked him, what kind of tracks would you be using? And then he said, that's the number one thing that I don't do. I don't give out names. Cause they, not, they didn't want what was, what was popular. They wanted what no one could find because that's why you would show up to their parties. So it wasn't about like, it wasn't born from like trying to grab somebody else's sound and resell it. It was born from more having like a unique style as a DJ. And then like, you know, naturally, like if you're, if you're mixing on the turntables and you're going to be sampling from, you know, multiple songs and, you know, scratching and doing all these different things while people are rapping. And so, yeah, it, 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 it was, it's just really cool. Like you guys should watch, um, the hip hop evolution on Netflix, it shares a lot. It sheds a lot of light on um, on sampling and on DJing and on the foundations of birth. the foundations and the yeah the birth of hip hop. So it's really exciting to see because like I can see how much hip hop culture I really have like into my like in my life that I don't actually realize like because I don't know I don't see myself that big of like a hip hop head, but. I did do the tagging and I did do the trying out the music and then the, you know, I mean, I, I guess I bought $300 shoes that are, were fake and, and like just kind of getting all into like everything. Like I felt, I, it felt like a relatable thing watching, um, that, that TV series. And I normally don't feel like, like I always feel like, well, I guess I have, I like, I like hip hop culture, like in a separate um, I guess like as a separate entity, but like after watching that, I actually felt like it was like hip hop is me. And I, I like started listening to some of the more like, you know, um, most deaf, like Nas, the tribe called quest. Like I was just kind of getting back into like the roots of it and like just driving in LA and just appreciating the graffiti. Like, I'm just like, Oh man, this is me. Like I love, yeah. I love, love, love hip hop culture. And then I pulled out my turntables and then just like, Man, like it's crazy how much it's influenced it just hits home. our lives. Yeah. I definitely think that growing up on the West Coast, we were also influenced by different just things in the air. You know, like my uncle would always play this like Chicano rap and stuff like that. And although it wasn't always like the greatest to hear, maybe in context to like some of the language that they were using, it's just that gritty lifestyle that you kind of like, take on where you just feel like dang this is the day in the life yeah. you know and um you start to learn more about like the struggles of poverty and and um how we could all come together in unity when you listen to people like Tupac or you listen to people like Biggie Smalls in which we are also given um 
the opportunity to listen to at a very young age. But then on the whole other opposite side of the spectrum, you have crazy people like D12 and people like Eminem <laughs> and what he was doing for hip hop. And you have like that other sense of rebellion. So I think it was definitely something that I was raised on, even starting dance at like eight or nine years old, learning how to like top rock and stuff like that, which is like basically what you do before you be a yeah. boy. Well, like, well, like I, I don't even, like I, I, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like I'm a part of hip hop, but then I actually look at my life and I'm like, well, I'm a hip hop teacher. Yeah. I teach hip hop on Wednesdays. Right. And then I'm like, what the, I'm, it, my whole life is about hip hop. Like it all revolves around like making art. And like, I really like all the names that you're naming because really it's all about this podcast and it's like communication through art. And that's why we're so connected to them because they were able to communicate that, that sort of, um, the, the, the mindset that they had and the lives that they were living and the, the different experiences that they were going through. Like they were able to communicate through their art and they were speaking to people like us. Right. And like on, on our uncle's side, we had the Chicano rap. And then on my dad's side, we had maybe the, the Eminem, the 50 cent, you know what I mean? Like we got, we got kind of both, both sides and just kind of growing up in that. Like we, I don't know, like, I, like even for Christmas, like I, I don't remember hearing that many like Christmas classics. I, I, I know that Christmas time was like that music. Yeah. Like I was, I was listening to that. And then I don't know, just even just getting into street art and then knowing different people, like just, it's just been, it's been hip hop culture just like yeah. around us so much hip hop. And then I think, I think rock came in a little bit later. I must have listened to the song Stand by Eminem like a million a times. Million, a billion, at maybe this point. A trillion and times. And it hits you every time you listen to it. Like you get like the cold little, yeah, you hear that melody and then you hear like the rain in the background and you're like, oh no, it's happening again. My life is so hard. <laughs> you start thinking to yourself like, man. That little child that was just <sighs> listening to this music just feeling like, yeah, I remember this I used to have this life. little like iPod, not even a nano. It was like this iPod, basically like a flash drive with a little unit. It was a flash for, drive. It was a flash drive, like one of the first iPods ever made. A flash drive with a headphone jack. That's Dude, what it was. I don't even know what it was called though. And I can vividly actually remember when it was my little sister Stephanie was born or something happened around that time. Someone was born and I was in the hospital and I was just listening to it, um, to some of the music on that iPod, which feels like it can hold like thousands and thousands of songs, probably only like 500 songs. But, and just thinking to myself like, wow, like this is the world that I'm in. Um, almost like a movie. Yeah. I think music can really transcend you to a different place in life where you don't really need to worry about what's in that moment. You just have to worry about what's, what you're listening to really. And, and to think that we didn't have like a screen. Yeah. You just press next. <laughs> that was it. Like you didn't know what was next. You just, It'd be just next, like on shuffle mode. Next. Yep. And you're like. Okay, I found I, it. I yeah. guess that's it. It would that's be the crazy. worst. It would be the worst feeling when you can't find that one song <laughs> that you wanted to listen to, and you're like, "Oh, you gotta I gotta through. skip, 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 skip." Oh no, dude! The worst thing is when you have it on shuffle uh-huh. and you get to the right song, but you press next. Oh my god! And then you go back, and it's a different it song. It shuffles again. It shuffles the other way, and then now you're just oh my gosh, so many different things. Anyways, dude, uh, we can go ahead and we can go ahead and end it out on. I love hip hop. I think sampling is great, and I think that if you're going to do it, yes, do it the legal way, but if you're going to have fun, I think that sampling is the best way to learn 
possible because then you can you can hear and you can experience other people's lives and you can experience what they were going through in just a simple beat. Very well said. I agree. All right, let's get out of here. Deuces.